Welcome to the Brain Hickey Podcast, resources for marketers and entrepreneurs to help you leave a long-lasting mark on your audience, what I call a brain hickey. I'm your host, Adam Benzman. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Brain Hickey Podcast. You know, first I want to apologize for not putting out podcasts the last two weeks. My partner Brett and I are in the middle of a product launch for a product called Chitter, which is an automated review and referral uh, email collection tool. And we're really excited. We've gotten some great traction so far and a really warm welcome on our on our launch. And it has kind of occupied my mental bandwidth. So that being said, I'm going to be putting out two podcasts this week to play a little catch up. So what I wanted to chat about today is kind of dispelling a lot of these marketing myths. And what started this, I was sitting scrolling through my MailChimp because I've been sending emails on this chitter announcement stuff and, and uh, you know, looking through analytics. And there's some features in MailChimp where you can actually look and see where the links are and, and see what you know, who's clicking on the links and all that stuff. And then you look even further and they actually put a box around each link and show you the percentage of clicks on each link. So why is this important? Well, it's important to show where the link, uh, where the links are being clicked. Is it towards the top? Is it towards the bottom? And in almost all of the research I've done, all, all the copy uh, blogs, they all say, put your link at the bottom of the email. And at first, this seems to make sense, right? Because the reader's going to kind of self-qualify. You've, you've built the story, the expectations, the need, the anticipation, so it's the most relevant traffic. And they click the link, boom, they're there. Now, the, a lot of other people will put, you know, and I do the same thing, kind of like a PS or something, if underneath an email signature. The last call to action is a reminder or set the expectations for a hook for the next email, um, open loop, close loop, that type of thing. So I started looking through all the, these, these links, and I noticed through some experimentation, I started to put my links, my, my calls to action towards the top. So just quick intro and kind of like about what they're going to learn or I'm going to talk about, and then a passive link. And then I link a few more times throughout. And it's, what's interesting is the, the majority of clicks are happening on the links that are higher up in the email, which is the opposite of what people tell you to do. And again, this is all about dispelling the marketing myths. So I put the links up higher, I get a higher click-through rate. But what we need to look at the next round of analytics. What's the conversion rate, right? If we send a lot of traffic, is it too soon? Are they not qualified enough? Is there a high bounce rate? Is the conversion rate low on that call to action page? And what I'm finding is it's not. I'm actually having a higher call, excuse me, a higher close rate and a higher conversion rate when that link is higher up in the email. The reason is, and I do the same thing. I'll open an email, especially from people whose emails I subscribe to, and I'll say, you know, I'll take a peek at the headline and the first couple sentences, and I'll often scroll through and I look for the meat and potatoes of it. And if it's something that interests me, I just click through and I want to look right away. I'm, I'm. It's funny, even being a copywriter, I don't necessarily read the entire email. I just want to know what's the what's the main takeaway and what's where's the more, where's more information. So experiment with that, right? And, and look at your analytics. Don't take all of the data as some sort of golden nugget of information that's a that's blanket used for everybody. Now, the other thing is is a lot of the copy I write for clients, uh, autoresponders, welcome sequences, product announcements, they're very long emails. And for some audiences, that really works. If your target market is more emotional, is more artistic and creative, they're going to have a tendency to read 
longer and stay engaged longer. But if you're B2B, which with my product, I'm, I'm B2B and I'm, I'm emailing to a, a business list, people are on their phone, right? And, and they're on the fly and they don't really have the time. They want to get to the point. And, you know, it's a whole different, it's a whole different animal. So again, you can't, you can't read this blanket statements that long form email copy and to go through the sequence, drive in the pain, propose a solution, blah, blah, blah. Uh, agitate that every marketer's got their own way of describing that that three-step process right identify um, agitate and then solve so the other interesting thing that that i started to poke around with on my mailchimp analytics was the traffic source excuse me not traffic source the uh, devices that were opening the emails and for my list i think it was about 70 percent of emails were opened on a phone all right and most of them were opened on iPhones. So that tells me a couple things. <laughs> One, usually the amount of time someone has if they're sitting there on their phone is less. Uh, our attention spans, we have a lot of distractions on our phones. You know, a text message pops up and the email's gone, whatever it is. It also usually means that we're out and about, we're on the fly. So I, I likely may want to try to keep my emails brief. The other thing that's the most important is formatting. If you've got someone opening emails on your um, uh, on their phone, and I just opened mine up right now, just take a look. And I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, about five or six words in the preview screen of the subject line. And then the, the preview sentence is about the same. And, and I'm on an Android using uh, Gmail. Uh, I'm on a S8, I think it is. So you need to look, if people are opening that up and they recognize your name as a sender, is your subject line, does it all fit? Is it going to work, right? Because it's different versus I have my desktop open right behind me. I run three monitors. One of them is like a 32-inch. And I can fit like on a subject line, a small paragraph basically. So the formatting is very different. And the formatting within your email has to be different. There's some copywriters that uh, in their in their trainings, they, they do these big, bold headlines. But you know how that works on your phone, right? It's like this, the whole screen's taken up. So don't, don't take any of this, this data or this research, take everything with a grain of salt because truthfully, I've tested like all the stuff I've read. Oh yeah, well, well, subject lines with a number in it have a higher open rate. Dude, it's all relevant. It is completely relevant to your audience and what they're looking for. You know, some people say, hey, capitalize the first letter of each word. Some people say, uh, write all lowercase because it seems more personable. It, <laughs> there's so many people that are just trying to grab this internet buzz of use this latest trick. And really what it boils down to is authenticity and looking at your analytics for your audience and catering the right approach. The other interesting thing is, you know, I've, I've done some more clickbaity type subject lines and I end up getting occasional angry emails back. Okay. The other, but what's funny is it'll have some of the highest open rates. But people, people are savvy now, and especially with with Facebook newsfeed. I follow a couple pages, um, the Conservative Tribune on Facebook. If you're looking for like great clickbait copywriting, they do a fantastic job. They really do. But none of their articles are all that overwhelmingly great, and they're kind of underwhelming when you click them. But their their subject line writing is is awesome. Buzzfeed does a great job as well. You know, these guys are able to test and test and test multiple different subject lines for articles they promote. And it, so here's the thing. Sending that traffic is all important, right? So this clickbaity subject line, great. High open rate. You get really excited. 
But what's funny is I had a couple of emails that had low open rates, and I'm talking a half percent click rate, but almost a 50% conversion. And I made more sales or converted people into a lead gen or whatever it was that I was that I was sending because the traffic was the most relevant. So people get way too focused on the superficial analytics. Well, I had a higher open rate with this. I've sent emails with a really high open rate that didn't do diddly squat in terms of conversion. And I've also sent, like I said, the opposite with a low open rate, low click rate, and the highest conversion. So the biggest takeaway here is, is really try to shut off from all of the buzz and, and, and stimulation of the email marketing world or the online marketing world in general, what people say, hey, do this or do that or this works or this doesn't work. You'll never know till you test it with your market. And if you look at these large agencies and very successful media companies, very successful ad agencies, especially in Facebook ads, the more you can test, the better. So split test on your email campaigns, on subject lines, split test the body, split test putting images in. I've still found to date that plain text performs better than images. For some reason, unless you're selling a product, you know, one of my clients is Boo Bicycles. They do um, handcrafted performance bamboo bicycles. They're great. I have one. I love it. And you need to feature the images for that product because it, it is a product, a piece of art. But if you're selling services or um, online classes, lead gen, things like that, for the most part, I've found plain text to, to perform better. It's more authentic and it just, at least for me, it's worked. And I've experimented by putting screenshots of videos in and stuff, and those will get clicks here and there. So there is a time and a place, but I'm talking, you know, more of a plain text style email, you know, maybe an, an image spliced in or a screenshot of a video to get people to click so they see it's a video. I've seen GIF files used in there, but but typically, anytime you can create that level of authenticity, it feels great versus a, you know, really fancy done HTML, it basically just screams, this is a newsletter I'm selling to you. And it's just a different format. We're not used to reading it. They look funny. The text shows up smaller on your phone. So using that plain text works really well. So so dive into your analytics and look at a few things that, that are often overlooked. Where So when you put links in your emails, where are the links being clicked? And every email program is going to show you the analytics different, but essentially look at the clicks. They should show a heat map of where the links are being clicked. Look at your click-through rate and then wherever you're sending traffic, look at that conversion rate. Ultimately, that's all that matters. And if you're sending to a list of 2,000 subscribers, for example, and your, your open rate 16%, but you have the most sales, who cares, right? That's irrelevant. You've segmented your list versus having an open rate of 50% and no sales, which by the way, has happened to me. And it's all learning process. It's experimental, right? We want to do things that are edgy. Now, the other thing that I encourage you to play with is send times. I have experimented to death with send times because I know in, in my world of B2B, people are busy. And if I'm going to be sending them something that I need their attention and I need them to take action, when am I going to want to do it? In the middle of the day when they're busy? No, absolutely not. I want to do it in the morning or in the evening. And it depends. And I've said this, I think, in another podcast, or if not, I said it in my head. <laughs> uh when I do lead gen style emails, I'll often send them in the morning because oftentimes business owners, they're spending their morning responding to emails and setting their activities for the day or the days to come, right? It's kind of your your pre-chaos of the day where before there's meetings and phone calls and email disruptions and all that. So they're, they're sorting through their emails from the end of the day before the morning and they're getting set. It's like, oh, this looks like a cool thing. I want to learn more about it. I'm going to set up for a demo or whatever it is. Whereas at night, 
they may take a little longer to make a buying decision. So if I'm selling products or or digital services or something to business to business, I'm often going to do it at night. Why? Because they are often, most business owners, they don't shut off. We are always up, right? We spend our, our evenings kind of catching up on emails. I'm sure you've seen that from your clients or your coworkers where there's that flood of email at night. Again, the chaos of the day is done. We're playing catch up. We're maybe lounging on the couch with, with our wife or with kids or family, and we have that little extra time to poke, and there's less stress and, and time pressure, and we can kind of explore and learn about a product, get our credit card out and do that whole thing. So it's a little more comfortable of a buying environment. But your audience is different. Now, if you're going business to consumer, you got to think, when are consumers going to have that time? Now, with phones, people can answer emails. They have their phone out at work. They're always distracted. But if we need to get a commitment or an action from them, we need to go morning, lunchtime during their break or in the evening. And depending on – and I've sent emails as late as 9 o'clock. Some people do them later. I like about 7.30 or so because it kind of just plops in right when you're sitting down maybe after dinner and things like that. So the takeaway here is so much of this this, this marketing um, data is, is insignificant. You know, they've tested it on their specific audiences in specific niches selling specific products. But in, in, in this world of digital marketing that we live in, <laughs> there's so many different products and styles of products and target markets and niches to, to work that – ultimately use all of that stuff as a starting point for creativity. That's what I use. I use it as a starting point. Hey, I'm going to test this on my own and start to test and explore. But ultimately, all that matters really is at the end of the day. Who bought? Who got leads? Who signed up? What's your conversion? Excuse me. What's your conversion rate? So dispel your marketing myths, your marketing data, experiment, have some fun. And uh, remember, at the end of the day, it's about being authentic with your brand communications and getting people familiar when when they see your name pop up in their inbox that they're going to open it. And if you can accomplish that with 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 a level of, of authenticity and personability, you know that'll breeze over a ton of these little tips and tricks for clickbait style headlines. Uh, but anyway, have some fun. Thanks again for tuning in. Apologize again for the break, and uh, stay tuned. We got another podcast coming up sooner than normal. Hey, thanks again for listening. Access all your supplementary podcast goodies at brainhickey.com. Don't forget to click subscribe for new episode alerts. And hey, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This is Adam Benzman signing off the Brain Hickey Podcast. <laughs>